Hey guys, Henry here. And as I was editing a, a, a podcast that Jordan and I recorded last night, uh, Tuesday night to be specific, because the timing here is all very important. Uh, I was editing that podcast this morning and we found out that Kevin Stefanski first tested positive for COVID. And then as I continued to edit the podcast, we found out Baker Mayfield tested positive for COVID. And now we know that uh, even more Browns players, John Johnson, Troy Hill, Malik McDowell, uh, the list goes on and on of players that have tested positive for COVID. So long story short is when Jordan and I recorded this episode, we did not know those things. Now, there is some other discussion in here, uh, a continued discussion about the Ravens game. There is some information in here about the Raiders that I think is still valuable. So just as you're listening, keep that in mind. And then I, we will get uh, a preview podcast out at some point later this week. Uh, the, it, it, I think we have to wait in as far as seeing how many more Browns players test positive. So I may, I may go solo or grab another guest if, if Jordan can't come on, but I just, I, I don't think we can record one right now until we know the extent of the, the Brown situation. Uh, you know, Albert Breer also reported that the NFL and the NFLPA are meeting to discuss significant changes to the, the protocol. Uh, and I, you know, I, I have no idea if they're going to let, you know, asymptomatic uh, or asymptomatic vaccinated players play or anything like that. But we'll just have to wait and see. I, I really speculating at this point it isn't going to do any good. So uh, as I said, you know, take as you're listening to this, take it with a grain of salt. But I think there's also some good information in here still uh, to absorb. And there's a, a whole bunch of stuff uh, from the Ravens game that I think is helpful uh, to take note of as well. And then we'll just we'll just have to see on the COVID news. I know I've seen a lot of Browns fans, you know, suggesting that they move the game. I'll be surprised, guys. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, if they move the game, the whole reason the Browns are playing on Saturday it, is dollars. You know, with uh, with college football not being on Saturday, the NFL knows. You know, putting some standalone games on Saturday will create higher ratings. It will create more revenue. That's why the Browns are playing on Saturday. You know, if this reaches a critical point where the Browns can't feel the team, maybe they they would consider moving the game. Of course, you know, I know, you know, we don't know the exact vaccination status of everybody on the team. It, you know, Kevin Stefanski, we know, had a, a booster shot as well. And I think we do know some of the Browns players, at least, that have tested positive are vaccinated. You know, the key part with the NFL and the forfeiting uh, game is that, you know, they said in, you know, if a game can't be scheduled within the 18 weeks um, and because of an outbreak among unvaccinated players, that would cause the forfeit. So that's kind of the key word. And we'll wait to hear how many of those players, uh, you know, were vaccinated versus not. I don't know that information either. I'm not on the ground, so I'm not going to report anything on that as well. But I would just say that I'd be surprised if they would reschedule the game at this point based on what we know now. Not saying that that couldn't change, but and, and for all of those people who think like this is a conspiracy theory against the Browns, it's not just the Browns that are dealing with this. Like the Washington football team, I think I saw has 32% of their roster now on the COVID list as well. They've got a critical must-win game that they have to win to stay in the NFC uh, playoff picture too. So guys, I'm sorry. I, I don't think this is really like the league out for the Browns specifically. The league is doing what uh, the league always does, which is look after the dollars and cents. And, and, and frankly, you know, if you were in, in their position running a business, I'm not sure 
uh, that people would necessarily be making a different decision. It's easy to, to say that you would, uh, especially when it would help, you know, the team uh, that you're rooting for and would help the Browns clearly in this case. But let's be honest, uh, the, the league hasn't shown a propensity to do that so far. Anyway, that's that's my rant based on what we know now. Uh, recording this Wednesday morning, more could change still, but uh, but you know, no Kevin Stefanski, no Baker Mayfield, and no you know uh, uh, a bunch of defensive and offensive starters down as well. We'll just have to wait and see how this week progresses. But in the meantime, take a listen to what Jordan and I had to say about uh, the Ravens game and some of our thoughts uh, on some of the players that we knew were going to be missing and how that might impact the Browns as well against the Raiders and what they bring to the table. So enjoy. Blue wire. Hello everyone. And welcome to another edition of the rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger joined by Jordan Climac. Once again, Jordan, how have you been, man? It's been like a week since I've last talked to you. Hey, I'm good. Look, it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, it was great. I was feeling great about the win. You know, we'll get into it, how dicey it was, how sketchy it got at the end. But at the end of the day, Henry, I was uh, I was excited about the win. Uh, the whole season is, is still in front of the Browns. Uh, a lot of things worked out in our favors. I was feeling really good. And then you get punched in the face with this stuff today. It seems like any time something good happens with this team, the following day, it's something, and I, I, I don't know what it is or anything, but it, it just happens every single time. So, now I'm doing good, Henry. Um, like I said, the wind had me kind of living on that high, and then all of a sudden you get you, you come back to earth today. But uh, nonetheless, we're we're doing good over here, man. Good man, that's good. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually in Vegas over the weekend uh, for Blue Wire celebrating the, the our, our Christmas party out there. We actually there was some work early on, but then it was mostly fun after that, and. Uh, had the Browns minus two and a half, of course, in Vegas, they failed to uh, mm. they failed to cash that ticket. So got to rip that one up, but at least got the live experience of that as well. So, uh, you know, took the red eye flight back. We're here. We're kicking. It's uh, it's all good on my end, too. I actually rewatched <laughs> the game because I couldn't really uh, stay focused. And, and you know, <laughs> on the game with like nine different screens in the sports book and so many different things going on. Yeah. So I had to <laughs> I had to rewatch the game, which is actually, I think. A, a good thing in this case, Jordan, because I think it did tweak some of my overall takeaways. But you mentioned you're feeling pretty positive about the win yeah. overall. Obviously, the Browns get the victory 24 to 22 over the Ravens. They're now just one game back of the Ravens. They're kind of right in the thick of the playoff picture again. So you're feeling pretty good about it? Yeah, I, I am feeling pretty good about it. Or at least I was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, this game, all of a sudden, I, I was kind of. All along, I kind of thought that that Raiders game for some reason was going to be like maybe the biggest game of the year just because the way things were shaping out was like that's the game that you're going to need to win, right? Like we, we know you were going to have to beat the Ravens the second time around. They did that. Got to beat the Raiders because you have the Packers the week after. And, you know, I don't think anyone's really expecting the Browns to win that game. And then, of course, you finish up with the Steelers and the Bengals. So, yeah, man, like. I don't know. I, I was feeling really good about it. Our chances, uh, I still feel good about it despite everything that's happened today. But uh, yeah, the season's still in front of them. It kind of, it was kind of a rejuvenating Browns game for me. Um, you know, I, after, after the, re, the initial shock of like, because I did have that moment watching the game when the, the, when the Ravens got the onside kick, right? Where I was like, oh, wow, we lost this game. Unbelievable. And then, and then all of a sudden you didn't. And then I just like, I didn't know what to think. 
for like an hour or two after the game. But then I was like, you know what, man? Like, it's looking good for us. Like, let's go. And then this happens today. Yeah, I actually had a, a pretty similar takeaway, which I said on my reaction pod afterwards was just that, hey, you know, I usually think the analysis of a win is a win is kind of reductive, right? Like there's yeah. there's wins that are better than others. There are losses that are better and worse than others. But in this case, you know, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks on, on this podcast. This was a must win game of this season you know, is to stay alive, right? Like there, there is no scenario where the Browns really make the playoffs once they lose this game. And there's now a world of possibilities since they did win this game, right? Especially with the other results that happened with the Steelers losing, with the Bengals losing, with the Bills losing. Now all of a sudden the Browns are right back into it, right? And yeah. I know it wasn't the prettiest victory and there were some things to be concerned about for sure, but also in a game that you absolutely, absolutely had to have against a division rival, the Browns came out on top. So I think you have to be positive about it, Jordan. I think the flip side you know, of, of things people would say is, hey, the, the Ravens lost Lamar Jackson in this game. Otherwise, that really might not have been the case. Do you think if the Ravens had Lamar that, that the outcome would have been different here? I think it's possible, but I don't know. Um, Lamar has been playing his best football you know, as of late, and weren't the Browns up like ten to nothing or something like that when he went out? Ten to ten to nothing, and then you know they got the ball back immediately, like on that possession where he got hurt. You know, he came out for a play, and they scored a touchdown. So they were almost up seventeen, like kind of up seventeen yeah. to nothing, really, by the time the impact and, of his injury happened. Yeah, and to me, like the whole recipe for that game, like to me, I, I honestly did, Henry, think it was almost as simple as if the Browns are able to get up in this game seven to nothing or ten to nothing. They're going to win. And if they get down in this game at any point, like a seven to nothing, they're down 10 to nothing themselves. I just don't think that they were going to be able to come back into it. I think their recipe for success, as we know, is getting the lead and and then kind of, you know, relying on your defense and, and the run game and that. So I don't know. I think for look, we, we know Mar- Lamar and the Ravens have pulled off some fourth quarter magic this year. Right. They've gotten lucky in a lot of games. So I, I think it's fair to say that maybe they would have won. But I don't know, man. I think the Browns were could have pulled this one out regardless of if he was in the game the whole time or Huntley. Because Huntley made some plays too. Yeah, I and I feel the exact same way. I'm not sure that it, Lamar, you know, he wasn't doing anything against his defense in the first half. I think that was the reason the Browns won the game was the defensive side of the football. And I think you could just as easily make the argument that the Browns should have won this game by a lot more points than they did and that really the Ravens – you know, didn't have a whole lot of success in the normal run of play against the Browns defense, right? Like one of the field goals is off a turnover. They hit another 55-yard field goal. You know, they gave up a touchdown on what I thought was kind of a, you know, they they, they don't usually give the receivers OPI in those situations, but I thought that could have been an OPI against Bateman. And then the last touchdown as well, you know, it took how many – on both touchdown drives, I think they converted fourth downs, right? It took the Ravens like three, four downs, like a ton yeah, like of a these really six close. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It took them a ton of close plays. And then even at the end when the, the, the Browns defense, you know, they're playing prevent. The whole idea there is yes. Like you don't want to give up a touchdown in that situation. Right. But it's an incredible throw down the sideline where they get that catch on Grady Williams. And then you're like, okay, we recover the onside kick. This game's over anyway. So like, you're just trying not to let the Ravens score too quickly, right? Of course, they didn't yeah. recover the onside right. kick, but okay, so, like this game should not have been that big of a sweat. Like the Browns were dominating it for the no, large majority no. of it. 
this game should have been it should have been dominated. Um, you know, I, I made the comment live. You know, the second Lamar Jackson went out, I was like, all right, let's let's put this team to death right now. Like, let's stomp on their necks right now. Let's win this game thirty to nothing if you can. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, the offense really stalled out in, in, in the second half of this game. Um, the play calling was questionable, in my opinion. I mean, there were just a lot of things that were going on in that second half that just didn't make any sense. But you got to be honest with me here real quick. Yeah, I mean, they, they recovered that onside kick, and we know everything with Justin Tucker, right? I mean, he if it was a 65-yarder, I, I would have to walk out of the room because I would just know he was going to bury it. So did you have that same kind of realization that I had when that happened. I was like, wow, the, this is really how the season is going to end. And it almost seemed fitting for it to end like that. So I was like, wow, this, this is really going to happen. Did you have that exact moment? Yep. A hundred percent. I, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's like the rational person in me. And like, this is a big win for, you know, like the analytics people would be like, momentum is not a real thing. Yada, yada, yada. But when it's happening to your team, like, that's just I, I I can't think of it that way. Like that happened, and I was like the Browns the Browns. Yeah. Like I I like already thought it was over. Yeah. I was like okay, like they they've lost. And it's like you you can just see it happening where it's like a couple of those like passes to the middle of the field. They spike it. All of a sudden, it's like a forty seven yarder. Justin Tucker puts it right through the uprights. The game is over. Right. And I was just like oh oh no oh no. And then I think it was Clowney who had the sack. Right. Yeah. And Clowney, then I yeah. was like I was like oh. Okay, I was like, maybe, maybe we're all right here. Maybe we're all right here. Yeah, but, but until Clowney had the sack, I was a, like, they oh. got like fifteen yards after the Clowney sack. I was like, oh my god, we're gonna yeah, have to make did. another yeah, play. Did. You're right. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Tenzo Ward had that big yeah. play. But I mean, I thought that was the story of the game, Jordan. And I and I brought this up, you know, during the bye week. I think this defense has, you know, when healthy, the 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 chance to be the thing that carries this team down the stretch, especially because. They're going to be playing a lot of cold weather games here down the stretch. You know, Vegas is at home. Then you've got Packers, Steelers, Bengals. And I mean, they, I thought they were phenomenal in this game. I thought, you know, I know they, they gave up 22 points in the end, but I thought it was right up there for their best defensive performance. Yeah. I think you can make the argument that this Browns defense has been maybe a top three, certainly probably top five defense in the NFL since, since that Patriots game, I, I think it's safe to say in the last couple of weeks, I think they've really come into their own and figured out who they are, right? Like, I think Miles and Jadavion have realized that, like, they're dominant alongside each other. Like, nobody can stop them. You know, the linebackers are coming back. Um, uh, some speed at linebacker. Jacob Phillips looked good in the couple of snaps that he had on Sunday. Obviously, JOK is back as well. Um, the secondary, you didn't have Greg Newsom for that Ravens game. I thought Greedy played well. Denzel has been playing out of his mind for a couple of weeks now. The safeties are starting to play well. I think Grant Delpit has really come into his zone. How about 11 tackles on Sunday, leading the team in, in that category? So I, I really think that this defense over the past couple of weeks, Henry, like this is the defense that we envisioned when this whole thing came together, right? Like we talked, we did offseason podcasts talking about how great this defense can be if everything kind of clicks and they all come together. And I think that's happened in the last couple of weeks. And I think that's really the, become the identity of this football team is you're going to play crazy defense. You're going to make a play or two on defense. Is the offense going to be able to give you about 17 points? And in, 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 uh, are, are they going to be able to win the game that way? I really think that's how, how it's become. And like you said, it, it kind of fits well for the style of play in the AFC North. Uh, and you have still two games left in the AFC North with the Steelers and the Bengals. It's kind of that smash mouth football that we're just kind of going to beat your ass. And what are you going to be able to do about it? And it's the style of football that you need down the stretch. So, I, yeah, I've been – I've been super impressed with the defense. I mean, it's pretty much the only thing to 
till you know it's funny going going into the season right uh all we talked about was we're not worried about the offense it's like is the defense going to be able to come together and through about 12 games into the season it's no we know what we're going to get from the defense is the offense going to be able to score any points it's just hilarious how that's worked out at least these last couple of weeks. I feel like early in the season we might have had yeah. a, a different narrative. But, yeah, but they know, would it, they were they would show flashes though, right? Like the Chicago game is a flash. I think the Minnesota game is a flash, and then the Chargers game. You're like, all right, what the hell is going on? And and the same with the Cardinals game. But other than those three, and then add the Patriots in there. Other than those three games, though, I think it's been pretty solid. Yeah, it, it has. In these last couple of weeks, I think you know you brought up a couple of the keys. I think Garrett and Clowney have been pretty. I mean. They're just a special combination. They yeah. absolutely ruined this this week Ravens offensive line, which is part of it. But, you know, Denzel Ward it was unbelievable. Again, I mean, he had a, a fantastic game as a number one corner. And I think in general, one of the big reasons this defense is playing better is just the secondary is playing better. Like there aren't guys just running uncovered all over the place. And it's amazing when your defense doesn't give up those big chunk plays that, yeah, they've got guys that'll make, the play, you know, plays to get them off the field when they're not giving up those big chunk plays, those wide open, you know, things in the secondary that gives, you know, Clowney Garrett more time to get to the quarterback, you know, that forces quarterbacks to go underneath and then JOK, Delpit, those guys are everywhere cleaning up the mess right now with how much speed is on this defense. So I think it's, I think it's, you know, uh, the defense coming together, but I think the reason that's happening is just the guys in the secondary are just playing better. And if they're going to do that, uh, you know, I feel pretty good about this defense going forward. Yeah. Like I, I really said, like, you know, I still think, and I don't know where you come out in this, but I still feel like as well as the defense is playing, I still feel like they can take it up another level. Like I, I feel like they can take it up to a notch where it's like, all right, they scored two touchdowns in this game. Um, there was, you know, team just wasn't able to do anything against them. I would love to see that against the Raiders, right? I mean, we'll get into all that coming up, but I mean, the defense is still intact, fingers crossed for the most part, and kind of have not been as crucial of cases of COVID on the defensive side of the ball. So, like, I, I still think they can take it up another notch, Henry. And like, they're starting to come into their own, but I don't think they're fully there yet. And it's been impressive watching them come into it, but I think if they still have another level where they can take it up a notch and we're just like, holy crap, this is one of the best defense we've seen here in a long time. I truly do believe that. I, I, there's so much talent across this defense at all, like all positions, right? Defensive line, you got a lot of talent. Linebacker, I'm loving the things that I'm seeing from some of the guys. And then the secondary, like you said, once the secondary was able to wake up and start playing the way that we expect them to, I mean, sky's the limit right now. Yeah, to your point, you know, the – the defense was missing some key guys today, right? You, you yeah. know, you brought up Greg Newsom, who, who's looked pretty phenomenal in his rookie campaign as far as what you could expect for, you know, your first year corner. You know, that slides Creed Williams all of a sudden to your third corner spot. Like Anthony Walker wasn't there. And, yeah, and it, Troy like Hill said, has I, had flashes. It, it, Troy Hill has, has had a lot of flashes. Mm-hmm. And he's played some great um, zone coverage and, and whatnot this year. Um, sadly, I think they're going to be missing him this weekend, though. Yeah, I think I saw uh, they said, yeah. you know, with the the knee, is it that he, he's going to be out? I think so. Yeah, him and Kareem look unlikely. Yeah, those, uh, those are both big losses as well, in addition to, to some of the other guys we'll talk yeah. about. But before we do that, Jordan, I also – I do want to talk about the offense because I I, I think there's been a, a varying opinion, shall we say, uh, about the offense's performance in that game. What did you think, you know, uh, about them uh, coming out of the bye week there? Um, it, it really a tale of two halves. 
But the main thing that I, I really looked at, and I, I've kind of, you know, I, I tend to watch, I haven't watched the replay of, you know, this Browns Ravens game, but I usually do watch the game twice. And I look for little things and, and things that I'm noticing with this offense. And, and it was so alarming watching it live um, play out in the second half. And I, I just don't think that Kevin Stefanski and his play calling trust Baker Mayfield at all. I just don't. I, I think it's pretty crazy and pretty telling. They don't trust him. They, they, everything is, is quick. Everything is out. I don't think they trust him to go through his reads. I don't think they trust him to throw the ball down the field and risk turning the ball over. Like That, to me, has been the main theme of this offense in the past couple of weeks. Just They don't trust him to make plays, and it's evident. And, and, and I don't know how you fix it. I, you know, I, I certainly don't think that this offense – is all of a sudden about to start click and just start scoring 30 a game. I don't see that happening. So I don't know where they go from here, Henry, but that, that's been my main takeaway with offense, this offense for the past couple of weeks. And it was really evident in the second half of this Ravens game. And I think that's why they got back into the game. It's funny. I, for all the varying opinions I, uh, I've been seeing online, Jordan, I pretty much have the exact same takeaway, man. I thought – you know, for all of the complaining about Kevin Stefanski's play calling, I actually thought my biggest problem with his play calling was on the last two, three outs of, of this game. Because yeah. I, to me, they they were completing passes on, on first down. First of all, I actually thought in the first half there were, um, you know, uh, some opportunities for some more downfield aggressive play calling from Stefanski. And it was pointed out to me by some film people that they actually think, uh, they were going for that, and the Ravens kind of took it away. Kind of Baker didn't always throw the football there. But in the last two, three and outs, like we talk about how the Ravens are stacking the box, right? Like the Browns have been completing these short first down passes all game. And to me, that was, it was a perfect opportunity for that. And instead, they threw a screen to Nick Chubb, then they ran the ball with Nick Chubb, then it was third and long. Then it was run the ball with Nick Chubb, run the ball with Nick Chubb, third and long. And I was like, we've watched, like the Browns are passing the ball well. Like, this is not, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago where they weren't completing passes. I mean, it wasn't – look, I'm not saying he – you know, Baker Mayfield was lighting it up. He had 190 yards. But I was like, this cannot be just how we're going to try to get through this game right now. Now, again, I don't think it really ultimately should have mattered that much because, you know, I think the Ravens did get a little lucky on the other side of the football. But, yeah, they – Jordan, it just doesn't seem like when push comes to shove and, – and maybe it's not – you know, maybe it wasn't just – Baker, I wonder, too, if they, you know, were the offensive line as well, if there was some concern with, you know, uh, Hudson out there. But he was good in this game. So I, I'm with you. I, I think it, it came down to Baker Mayfield and the lack of trust there. I don't know. Do you think that's just because of his play kind of pre-bye week, if, if that made Kevin Stefanski gun try? Like, what do you think that is? I mean, they just watch him every day, right? Like, they know what he's capable of. And, and I, I think it's a lot of what I said, right? I, I, I just don't think – I think Stefanski knows that, like, for Baker to be successful in complete passes right now, it's got to be, you know, play action, quick hitters, uh, you know, quick little outs. How many times do we see Austin Hooper over the middle for, like, six yards, you know? I, mm-hmm. I, think, I just think those are the plays that he thinks he's comfortable calling because he just doesn't trust him you know, to make the right play at this point. I, I don't know what it is, but they aren't throwing the ball down the field. And it's just, it's, it's really alarming, uh, you know, I, and I don't know how you fix it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, especially if it's a trust thing, like you're not all of a sudden going to get that trust back. So I don't, I don't know what it is, Henry. I just don't think that like, I'm starting to get the feeling that Stefanski is not necessarily a Baker guy. 
I, I like I don't know if you are, but I, I mean, there's been some yeah. kind of sketchy reports earlier in the week that like, you know, there may have been there may be this rift going on between Stefanski and Baker all year regarding the play calling. And if that's the case, I just think that goes exactly into what we what we're saying, right? That like, hey, I'm, why would Baker be pissed off about the play calling? It's like, hey, man, you're not giving me a chance to do anything. And Stefanski's like, hey, I don't want to give you a chance to do anything because when I do, you you throw interceptions and and, yeah. you, and you hurt the team. And and I don't know if you saw this from Dan Orlovsky, right? Yeah, he you know breaks mm-hmm. down film, one of the best at doing it. Um, you know, he he kind of was tweeting about his film breakdown of this game, and he actually said that this was Baker Mayfield's worst game in terms of of men- the mental side of football and going through your projections and making second reads um, since 2019. He was like, it was like the worst he's seen of Baker like doing that. So, right. So if that's the case and Dan Orlovsky seeing that, I, I'm, I'm sure the Browns are watching film. Sir Kevin Stefanski is watching film and seeing like, Hey, like just go through your progressions. I'm calling guys wide open and you're not able to get them the ball. So, you know, what can he do? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I brought that up too, actually on the last pod uh, about Dan Orlovsky. Now I will say this, uh, at least from initial uh, the stuff that I saw, I disagree with him on that. Uh, you know, I, there was there have been some other games, and, and we've talked about them on this podcast, where Baker has missed what seems like several wide open receivers on that. And, and look, I understand I'm I'm not Dan Orlovsky in terms of the breakdowns, but like some of that stuff was pretty obvious to see. And I follow a bunch of people, uh, you know, that that do this pretty well for a living. But that being said, there were, and I haven't seen the all 22 yet either for this game. It usually comes out midweek. So I had for this game in particular, you know, I just, I didn't see that from watch when I rewatched the the live broadcast, I saw a couple people point out some plays and I will say this, it, you know, do I think Kevin Stefanski's lack of trust is totally unfounded? Not entirely because what I, what I saw in what I think Dan Orlovsky would, would uh, one of the plays he was referencing was early in the drive or early in the on the first drive of the game, uh, Baker Mayfield on third and I think it was like ten or seven checked down to Kareem Hunt, and there were a bunch of people pointing out on Twitter that like he had no pressure. There was downfield route route concepts developing that looked like they were going to be open later in the game. You know he has that. It ended up being an incomplete pass, but like the Ravens bring a blitz. And he's got to get the ball out to his hot route, who's open. And he doesn't. He holds the ball, and then his his hand gets hit. Ultimately, it wasn't a fumble. It was an incomplete pass. But it's like he's – once again, that the, the injury is one thing. The injuries are one thing. I actually thought he looked a little bit healthier today, which is a reason for optimism on one hand. But the lack of seeing the field and that lack of pocket presence, it does go back to 2019 where it's reminiscent of that, Jordan, where you're like – how are you not feeling these guys? Like you just don't see that from the best NFL quarterbacks. And, and here's why it's disheartening is because like, these are conversations that you have about a guy, his first or second year in the league, right? Like, Hey, you know, he's just not seeing the field as well as he can with coaching and, you know, continuing to go through the system. Like he'll get more comfortable and eventually turn that around. But this is year four, man. Uh, like, you know, he, he's not he's not a first or second year player anymore. Like you, you've seen def- different defenses. You've seen how de- defenses scheme for you. You've been in film sessions. I don't know what it is, because um, like you said, like in, in 2019, I think it was just the, the lack of protection he had. Right. I mean, the tackle situation on that team was was god awful. You didn't have Jack Conklin here. You didn't have Jed Wills here. It was 
I don't even draw a blank on who the right tackle was, but you had Greg Robinson as like your left tackle for majority of the year. It was a terrible situation with offensive line. And I think that's why he was just didn't trust it. Right. Like he's like that mental clock is going off. Like, Hey man, I'm calling snap. I got to get this ball out of here as quick as I can before I get my head taken off. That's not the case anymore. The offensive line is there, but maybe the injuries it's like, Hey, I can't afford to take a hit here because my ass could be out of the game. So I don't know if it's yeah. that playing into it this year. I don't know what it is, but something is up. Yeah, and maybe and maybe I'm not giving the injury enough of its due because look on that hit where he did throw the incomplete why, pass. Why should you though? Like why should why should anyone at this point, man? It's like we've been talking about this since week two. It, yes, what, but like, I mean, didn't I? I don't know for sure, but uh, oh, I think they 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 said in part it was because of the the concussion as well. But he uh, oh, the like the check for a concussion that's yeah. why he got taken out of the game. Is yeah. that is that right? But. When yeah. he got hit there, my first thought was when he came off the field was, oh, his shoulder popped out again. So, you know, uh, the labrum injury that he has, I mean, it, it, again, I'm somewhat familiar with it because it happens to people in hockey all the time. Basically, until you get time off, like his shoulder is going to keep popping out when he gets hit. So, like, that part's not going to change. I mean, at some point, yes, you've got to adjust. And as I said, there's more to it than the injury, uh, but – and at some point he's got to either deal with that or get off the field. But I do wonder if, yeah. if that is having an impact on the mental side of things. I, I mean, don't, like I don't when, know when, that, when, but when you're not on the injury report every single Friday and, and, and then you have guys like JC Treader who have been hurt for like four straight years and yeah. basically don't ever practice. And you don't hear about their injuries because they're not out in the media, like having a, you know, Hey, this is why I'm having poor play. It's just like the fact that we know so much about Baker's injuries kind of just tells you all you need to know, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. So what do you think of the reports that, you know, there was some that conversation between Baker Mayfield and Kurt Warner, where he said there were some internal, uh, you know, voices this season, as opposed to the external voices. Uh, uh, I'm paraphrasing what Baker Mayfield said. And some people have speculated that that's the Browns and, and Kevin Stefanski, you know, publicly talking about Baker Mayfield's injury different than than he was or, or than he would yeah. like it to be. What do you think about those, you know, uh, those kind of, I, I, I think there's a, reports all that. I think there's merit to it. I, I I think that there's been a disconnect between Stefanski and Baker all year. And to me, it probably started, you know, when Baker didn't get the contract extension. Um, you know, you always go back to asking yourself why he didn't, right? I, and, and hearing all this now kind of makes me think like, hey, maybe Stefanski was the guy, you know, because we know Stefanski, Andrew Barry, D. Podesta, these guys sit down. Maybe Stefanski was the kind of the guy that's like, hey, man, like, like, I know this guy, like I'm his coach. Like, I think we could be better at this position or something like that, you know? And, and if that's yeah. the case, then, you know, that starts early on and then the injury happens and it was kind of just the perfect storm of this happening, but I don't know. There's definitely a disconnect and it's just, to me, it's, it's, it's seems like not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but like, it seems like we're shaping up for that battle in the off season, right? Especially if this year ends how we don't want it to end going to be kind of Stefanski or Baker or who's going to be the guy. And I'm telling you right now, the Browns are going to go Stefanski in, in that situation. Um, but I also think some of this internal stuff goes back to the whole Odell situation, right? Like I do think from the day that that happened, that stuff was so weird that kind of, you know, there's kind of, I don't want to say it's been team Odell team Baker since then, but there's definitely guys that looked up to Odell, you know, and still look up to Odell. And that's kind of probably a weird locker room situation. I just think it is. And also the other thing you mentioned about the injury, right? Um, I definitely think that that rubbed the Browns organization and everyone the wrong way. And that being the report that came out, you know, 
minutes before the Thursday night game, the Browns Broncos, you know, the Browns had been downplaying the Baker injury the whole time. Then all of a sudden Baker direct source, Jay Glazer, just like basically giving like a doctor's report of like his injuries. Right. And, 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 and the only thing you can say about that is that's him thinking about like, Hey, I'm trying to get paid. And look, like I, I, there has to be, and I'm not having the year I'm supposed to have. So I got to, you know, have something to support me here. And it's like, what are you going to go to? I'm going to go to the injury thing. I mean, it's been the conversation all year. We, how about last year? Jarvis Landry was played with broken ribs for half the year. You didn't even hear about it until the end of the season. Uh, why? Because the team keeps it under wraps and Jarvis wasn't out in the media talking about it, making excuses for himself. I just think that this whole Baker Mayfield situation has, it's, it's gotten rough in, in Cleveland. And, and I think a lot of it started with that distrust in the media earlier with that Jay Glazer report this year. I mean, we're seeing this all around the NFL, right? Like there are tons of speculation that Dak Prescott is hurt right now. Nothing out of him, right? You know, Tom Brady, of course, played the, the torn MCL last year. Now, there are plenty of quarterbacks taking the opposite approach. Aaron Rodgers openly talking about how his toe feels on the Pat McAfee show week after week. Russell Wilson bragging uh, about how he spent 18 hours a day, you know, rehabbing his his uh, finger injury. So it's not to say that, you know, there's a, a definitive, like a quarterback can't be successful, you know, while, you know, having this uh, one approach or the other. But if you're asking me which I think is better for the team, I think it's the Dak Prescott, Tom Brady approach, right? Like the whole idea, and I know people have made fun of Russell Wilson for it, and Aaron Rodgers has always kind of had a prickly relationship with his teammates. Like the whole idea of you, uh, it comes down to, like you said, kind of putting the focus on yourself is not going to go over well in a locker room where we know there are guys all, that are also playing for Exactly. Right. And, and, and here's the thing. And like, you know, I work with Rod Cherry every single day, right. He won three Super Bowls with the Patriots has been in Super Bowl winning locker rooms. And he basically told me straight up, like, Hey, like with the whole Baker thing of like going to the media and talking about his injuries, like guys know exactly what he's doing in the locker room. Like they know like other NFL players in the locker room, they understand the game, right? Like they know exactly what he's doing and why he's doing it. And, and he's like, and quite frankly, that's something that, probably isn't going to sit well with a lot of people. And from that moment on, it's like, has Baker been a great leader this year? No, he hasn't. But how can he be when then he's doing stuff like that and his play's not backing it up and this, that, and the other, it's just, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's been a fascinating, fascinating situation. And you know, it seems like each week there's like a new chapter added to the situation. And I just, it seems like it's headed for a bad end. And, and the crazy thing about it is still, it's like, you can still make the playoffs. You can still host a home playoff game. And who knows? You know, I mean, <laughs> that's the crazy part about all this. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've kind of gone down a, uh, a negative yeah, we got down a dark path. Dark yeah. Path. And, I, and I think for good reason, at, at some point with, you know, uh, especially some of the, the buzz that's been coming out. And I know, you, you know, you're probably, you know, hearing more and more whispers behind the scenes, uh, you know, where you are, but uh, I mean, from my perspective, you can, uh, you know, you just, you get the sense that, yeah, this, even though, you know, the, the Browns won, uh, you know, the fact that those things are coming out, is just, it's never, uh, it, usually that stuff doesn't happen and then it flips around to a positive direction, right? Like usually it's one of those where there's smoke, there's fire situations. And, and that's what it's starting to feel like with, with Baker and this organization. 
Yeah. And, and for me, like, this is like a necessary conversation to have, right? Like this, this conversation budded from us trying to figure out like, what's up with the offense? Why is the offense not performing? And like, what's up with the play calling? Why isn't the execution there? This all comes from trying to make sense of that. And, and like how things went so sour from how good they were last year. You have to dig deeper than just like what you see on film, right? Like you have to take the whole situation into consideration. Now I'm like, it, it took us down a dark path there for a second. But I think if you're going to have that conversation, you've got to get real about it and talk about it as a whole. For sure, because, yes, there have been injuries not only to Baker, but to the you know to some of the other offense, of course. But that happens every year. You know, the Browns didn't have Odell Beckham Jr. last year uh, by this time, and the offense was humming. And so when there's such a disparity year over year, it, you know, you have to you have to start wondering what, what the issues are in. And yeah, it's not as simple as just one injury or, or one thing, but that's where you start to have to, to dig a little deeper. So I think you're right on that. I will say, you know, Baker did look a little bit more mobile, you know, maybe the heel will, you know, continue to get better, but. The, hey. the bright sign, the bright sign of Baker was like, if you go back to that Sunday night game, I think it was like the third play of the game. It was the first time he was forced to use his legs and he came back to the huddle limping like the first time he had to, he had to use his legs to get first downs and, and he was successful in doing so a handful of times in those games and he didn't come back limping. So definitely looked healthier from that perspective. Yeah. He used his legs a couple of times and maybe that will result in more of those like play action bootlegs and stuff. I know the Browns ran, ran one in particular where Baker took a deep shot, but that's what I'm hoping uh, will, will happen these next couple of weeks, but we'll see. And Jordan, I think that's a that's a good transition into this this upcoming matchup. The Browns take on the Las Vegas Raiders on a Saturday because of you know no more uh, college football running all the time. So the Browns are, are one of the Saturday games here in a basically another game that the Browns really need to have if they're going to make the playoffs. You know, it's it's possible if they lose this game, but still would be pretty uh, dark as a path in. On the flip side, the, you know, the Ravens, you know, Lamar Jackson's hampered. They play the Packers. They could actually, you know, be pretty big underdogs this week. So this is a huge, huge game for the Browns. They get it at home. The, uh, the Raiders come limping in after getting absolutely destroyed by the Kansas City Chiefs. But hanging over all of that is a cloud that, unfortunately, the Browns are all too familiar with as eight players uh, are on the COVID list now, Jordan, and are in jeopardy of, of missing the game on, on Sunday. So, what, what you know when the when the news came out today, what what kind, what was your first thought as far as the impact for this upcoming game against the Raiders? Well, my, I think my initial reaction, just in general, was sadly I just wasn't surprised. You know, um, yesterday the NFL totaled thirty-seven uh, total you know positive cases of COVID, and and then today they basically hit that number again I think they're at like 75 right now um for the last two days and so that's just kind of been the theme right of like not just in the NFL we're seeing it in the NBA we're seeing just across you know the United States right now I mean COVID is really coming back strong and so I just wasn't that surprised that this happened I, I, I like and then especially considering right the Browns were coming off of a bye week last week so they had the freedom to go do whatever they wanted and we know how this stuff kind of works. Sometimes you can come in contact with it and then, you know, you, you don't have symptoms until like five days later. Um, so I, I wasn't surprised that, you know, we had a couple of cases. I, I, I was devastated at the, you know, the, the kind of importance of the players that, you know, were out because you look at the offense. I mean, Jarvis, you're, you know, 
obviously your number one wide receiver, Austin Hooper, is your only tight end in the room right now. It looks like they are probably going to get um, Njoku and Harrison Bryant back, which, which will be huge. But the offensive line, man, those ones, those, those are the mm-hmm. big ones. Uh, Wyatt Teller and, and Jedrick Wills. Um, so now you're going to have to go into a game with the Raiders where you have Blake Hans starting at one tackle and James Hudson starting at another tackle against Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby, who leads the NFL in, in quarterback pressures this year. So obviously not an ideal situation. So like I said, for me, I, I went, you know, from having a lot of confidence, like, hey, we can do this, beat the Raiders, and then you might be in, in, in first place to now. I mean, you can't afford to lose this game, right? I mean, I think we all can agree that, like, for the Browns to win this division and make the playoffs, they had to go four and one in the, in the final five games. You won the first one. The only game that you can really afford to lose is that Packers game because it's an NFC opponent, right? I mean, so that's yeah. really the only only team that you can afford to lose to. So, yeah, this – I mean, it hurts the Browns' chances. In, in Vegas, we saw that from Vegas. The line went from six and a half to three after this news. So – uh, it's, it's just really, truly devastating. Like I said, it felt like a gut punch. I just wasn't, I just wish I was surprised by it, but I, I, I wasn't surprised, honestly. And that's kind of messed up. That's just how everything's been trending over sports in the past couple of days. Yeah. As you mentioned, it's, it's really been a league wide problem. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head as far as the impact. It's to that offensive line, right? Because, and, and I still think there's some reason to be optimistic against the Raiders, but you know, for two weeks in a row, the Browns against the Ravens have not been able to run the football, right? And that's put a, a limit, I think, on the dominance of their offense. Well, the Raiders are well. Here's not well, good. real quick. I mean, do you so that because that is the case, right? I mean, I, I think Nick Chubb is like the 44th ranked running back over like the past two weeks, which is wild. Um, and so, like, do you? I mean, is that like a Brown? Is that an issue? Is that a Browns issue? Does that go back to? what we can't do on offense or in your opinion, is that more of just a Ravens are the number one run defense. You kind of tip your cap to them because they really did shut down the run game for two straight weeks. Yeah. I, I actually think it, it was more of a, of a Ravens thing. I'm actually, I, I wasn't that worried about the Browns run game. Cause I just, you know, the Ravens for the second, you know, week in a row, or second matchup in a row against the Browns, at least did the whole stack the boxing on first down. The Browns didn't run the ball well on first down. Anytime they got a lighter box, they still ran the ball. Well, and the Ravens basically hung out their backup corners to dry. And the Browns, I mean, how many PI calls did the Browns have in that game? I mean, I, I didn't really understand the game plan. But, I mean, I guess I did from the Ravens because it worked last time. So, I guess you don't, you know, change it up necessarily. But, you know, I, I think against uh, the Raiders, I was going to predict that the Browns were going to get back on track from a running perspective in this game. I really think that the, you know, against a team that is way worse against the run, they're in pretty much – you know, the bottom seven, eight teams, depending on what metric you look at against the run. Uh, you know, they're just they as for as good as they are as a pass rushing team, they are not that dominant of an interior team like the Ravens are. And I thought this would be a great bounce back spot for the Browns. Now you talk about both tackles being out and Wyatt Teller, who's, you know, arguably the best run blocker on the interior of anybody in the entire league. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> that makes it a lot more challenging because, especially because like in the Broncos game, when the Browns were down to the tackles, right? Like you saw them just mash the Broncos on the interior. They were like, okay, screw it. Like we are going to just rely on our guards inside. I mean, at this point, it's like, okay, you can run behind Joel Petonio, but who else really? So I do think this offense is in, is going to be in for a challenge. And, and here's the other thing about this, too. It's only Tuesday right now, Henry. That's like, true. And, and look at, and look at how more... these things 
and look how these things are. These the, right now is the trend with the bronze positives were that they it was basically multiple people from from different position groups, right? Like you had two tight ends and Hooper and Ross Travis, or I might be botching that name. But then you had uh, Jarvis Landry, JoJo Natson. So like, and then obviously why or uh, why Teller, Jedrick Wills, like Henry. If, if Joel, if we if, if we get news tomorrow that Joel Batonio has COVID or something like that, I mean, I don't know what they're gonna do. Because you go back to last year, remember that entire wide receiver room was out against the Jets. Like they they were literally bringing guys in off the street that haven't had that hadn't even recorded a catch at all that year. And I mean mm-hmm. that might we might get to a point where we have to do that with our offensive line. And I just don't think that's possible to win, win a football game that way. It's difficult. There's there there is no doubt. You know, this is going to be a big test for for Stefanski for Baker once again. Now, I will say this team, when adversity has struck, typically that's when Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield have both been at their best. And so maybe this is a situation where that is the case. You know, they they've got Chubb, of course, at their disposal. You mentioned Njoku's going to be back this week, who was missing last week. So, you know, there are some things to work with if the offensive line can keep it together. I think there are plenty of places to attack this Raiders defense. Uh, but, you know, they, if you're going to get blown up off the line all day, it's going to be pretty tough. You mentioned it. Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe have been absolutely fantastic this year. Shout out Max Crosby. Also, he's a Blue Wire podcaster now. Uh, we signed him. He's a great dude. But unfortunately, I will, uh, I, will, I will be rooting against him in this game. He has been absolutely destructive. I think if you're the Browns, you have to look at the interior. You have to look at, at the fact that the, the Raiders have had some pretty weak linebacker play at time. I mean, th- there are holes on this Raiders team. It's just like, are you going to have time to exploit them? Exactly. And are you going to be healthy enough to exploit them? I mean, right. So like, that's the question. But I mean, we know the formula to win this game. And I, like you mentioned, that's running the football, a steady diet of Nick Chubb. I think Dearness Johnson is a super important player in this game as well. Obviously, you know, likely that we won't have Kareem. So, I mean, that's the way you do it. You run the football, you get an early lead again, an early lead, super important with this team. And then you ask the defense to hold it down. And, and shut down that and that Raiders offense. And if you're able to do that, like this is going to be a close game regardless, I think. You know, I, I think that the situation the Browns have been put in this week kind of by default makes this kind of a one-possession type game. So getting that early lead for this Browns team is going to be super, super important, especially like you don't want to have to ask Baker to throw in this game to get, given the offensive line situation. So, I look, I don't think it's going to be as extreme as, you know, the Patriots, like 45 – rushes to three passes <laughs> um i don't think kevin stefanski yeah he i think he falls in love with the pass a little too much to do that but i wouldn't i like 15 passes like tops i i think it's got to be <laughs> something along that now somewhere in between 15 and 20 and then and you give chubb you know 23 carries dearness johnson has six or seven himself um i i, I think that's i think that's got to be the recipe to win in this game yeah, uh, it does look I, like rain in the forecast, by the way, too. Yeah, I don't know if that's <laughs> I think that's a good thing for the Browns. And I actually I think that's a good thing because I think as you brought it up the offensive side. I just I don't have that high of expectations, but I think the defense is where the Browns can win this game. Right. You know, Darren Waller still has not practiced for the Raiders. He's been out the last couple of weeks with a knee injury. Their offense has fallen off a cliff. You know, we all know the Henry Ruggs situation. He's no longer there as well. 
Uh, you know, their offensive line has started to struggle a lot more. Derek Carr has started to struggle a lot more. I mean, this team was lighting it up earlier in the year, and they have totally well, fallen they gotta, apart. They- and they have it's such a terrible situation, right? I mean, they had talk about a tumultuous situation, everything that happened with John Gruden, then like literally like the week later, the Henry Ruggs stuff. And you know, they always say when you bring in an interim coach, like it, it works for like two or three weeks, and then it kind of becomes a stale message, right? Like guys start to see the writing on the wall, like this guy isn't the guy to you know lead this team to where they want to go. And the problem with the Raiders is they were forced to bring in an interim coach. Like usually if you bring in an interim coach, Henry, it's for the last couple of the games of the season, right? And you're able to get some life out of your team at the end of the season for that reason. Raiders had yeah. to do it so early on in the year that I think they got that that second win already and it's expired. And now you're kind of seeing like this team just, I don't think they know who they are right now. And obviously that works in the favor of the Browns as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, they. I think their their offense is just is in almost as much trouble as the Browns if Waller doesn't play. I mean, this is going to be a low scoring game because they, uh, you know, they've got uh, Miller on one side is a, is a is a solid tackle, but their offensive line is just not been that good. I think the Browns are going to be able to penetrate if there is rain. This team has not run the ball well at all, uh, so I. I mean, is Derek Carr going to slice and dice his defense all of a sudden? I find that hard to believe as well. So I think you're looking at a, a low-scoring game again where maybe it's the turnovers that, that ultimately make the difference or, you know, a big play by a Miles Garrett, a Denzel Ward, you know, a Max Crosby. I think that that really is going to be the difference in what I, I expect to be a close game. Yeah, could agree more with you. And look, uh, like you said, the Browns, I still trust that they can get the job done. And you talked about earlier, like it seems when this team has, you know, their back against the wall, like this, doesn't this kind of seem similar to, I mean, obviously not to the extent, but like last year, right. Like you, you clinched that playoff spot against the pits of the Steelers, the last game of the year. And then like the next day, Stefanski has COVID and like, everyone's freaking out. Like you don't really have a chance to celebrate. That's kind of how this felt. And the Browns were able to overcome that. So I think they're absolutely able to overcome everything. Henry. And if you get that win, Look, if you beat the the Raiders on Saturday and then the Ravens lose to the Packers, which I suspect they will. I mean, who you know, of course, it's been a weird NFL year, but I I don't yeah. see that offense scoring enough points to, you know, compete with Aaron Rodgers. So if the Ravens lose that game to the Packers on Sunday, you're in first place in the AFC North. You know, I mean, and then yeah, and, yeah, and then and then really, if if it works out that way. And maybe you lose to the Packers and then you take care of business against the Steelers like that last week game of the year, Bengals Browns likely will decide the AFC North. So beat the Raiders this weekend. And, and, and I mean, I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I mean, it's, I'm saying that like that just kind of highlights the importance of getting this win on Saturday. Yeah, it's a huge game. I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I do think with this NFL season, you can't make too many assumptions. You know, Huntley for, for, you know, uh, some of his struggles against the Browns. He also beat the Bears earlier this year, you know, which I know the Packers are a better team than the Bears, but Rodgers is banked up, so he says, uh, and it's getting worse. So I'm not going to, you know, assume that the Ravens are going to lose, and maybe Lamar does end up playing. They said he avoided the dreaded high ankle sprain. You never know, but, uh, I you know, I think uh, that overall, yeah, one game at a time, this has got to be a win. You're at home, and I think that's a, the, the reasons to be optimistic for the Browns are they're at home. Vegas is a dome team also coming to Cleveland rain, 35 degree weather, frankly suits this team. Well, and 
And, you know, I hate but to say it. Here's the, I, I got I to gotta say, though, here's the counter. The, that was, it, it was worse weather last year, and that team from Las Vegas came into Cleveland and beat you. That's true. That is true. <laughs> but I do think that was a different Vegas yeah. team last year. They were better at running the football. Right. Um, and, it, you know, in this game, too, I, I mean, you know, uh, the other thing is, I, I mean, if it rains, I hate to say it, but, like, the Browns kind of already uh, don't you know, throw the ball downfield a lot. They're already short intermediate passes. They, you know, I know you said Stefanski loves, uh, you know, falls in love with the pass, but I think I saw the Browns are 29th in uh, passes attempted this year. Somebody talking about how the Browns don't trust Baker Mayfield was, was pointing that stuff out uh, on Twitter. So they already don't throw the ball a ton. They already don't throw the ball downfield a ton. So, you know, and it is easier in general to run the ball with backups than it is to pass the ball, right? Because, you know, it's pretty, it's, it's not as complicated, number one. And, and sometimes you can get away with some of the lack of athletic deficiencies that typically uh, hurt backup offensive linemen when it comes to pass protecting. So now the Browns often are asking their, uh, their, their offensive linemen to get out and, and do some athletic things. But I do think ultimately yeah, didn't we see Blake Hansen as like the third tight end uh, on Sunday. A lot, a lot yeah. we did because the Browns wanted to go heavy personnel. So they uh-huh. threw him in there. So, yeah, I don't know. I, overall, the more we talk about it, Jordan, the more optimistic I am that I do think the Browns should be favored in this game still, despite the injuries, hopefully, or despite the COVID absences more yeah, than the injuries. Right. But, uh, and I think it's because of the defense. And then I think they'll get slightly enough out of this offense. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means either. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think it's going to be a close game. And, look, I still have faith in the Browns. But the fact of the matter is we really just have to keep our fingers crossed and, and you know, pray that, that we've gotten the worst of the, uh, the COVID situation so far because you can't really afford to have – like, what, what was there, 75 – or there was, what, 37 or something like that positive cases today in the NFL, and eight of them came from your team. So you can't really afford to have any more cases. So that's kind of what I'm going to have my eye on for the rest of the week is just – Cap it where it's at. Yeah. And, you know, it is possible that some of these Browns come back, but it's basically, I think it's somebody uh, said it's only happened, uh, you know, once or twice all season. So it pretty much going to be without these guys for the game uh, in, in all likelihood. All right, Jordan, that will do it for this episode. If you're listening to this out there, Browns fans and more players test positive after the fact, sorry, we can only do so much. We're stuck in one uh, period of time as we record this, but that's all we know for now. So, uh, you know, hopefully that will remain the status quo for the Browns heading into this game. But if there is more breaking news, of course, we'll, we'll try to do our best to jump on here and talk about it. But otherwise, I think that's going to do it for this week. You know, if, if you want to chat with Jordan and I in the meantime, Check him out on Twitter, J underscore Climac 20 and Henry underscore Ettinger for me. All right. Until next time, Browns fans, just two words for you. Go Browns.